God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could have ever thought and imagined. And oftentimes, as I've worked with young adults and teenagers, we'll get this question, how come God doesn't do miracles like we see in the Bible anymore? And I love to tell them, what do you mean God does even greater miracles today than he did recorded in the Bible? It's just often we don't always get to hear about it. And so before I jump into the word that I believe the Lord put on my heart for us tonight, I really wanna take a couple of moments to testify about God's goodness and the miraculous things that I've been witnessing him do. Um, Obviously, we've been bombarded with several different health issues over the last year, more or so, mainly when it comes to COVID. And uh, my family and I have managed to avoid it, thank God, uh, for the most part. Nobody in my direct family has been impacted or gotten sick. Uh, That was until my brother-in-law, due to his work, had contracted COVID. And so we were scared for my sister and her son and uh, just worried that it it could turn for worse. And for the first couple of weeks, it seemed to be fine. And then suddenly he couldn't catch his breath. He wasn't able to, to catch any breath really. And he told my sister to take him to the ER. And I'm so grateful that she did. She took him to the best hospital she can think of. And even the physicians told him, had she waited just a few hours more, uh, he could have very easily died at home. And so they took him straight to the ICU, put him on a ventilator. And uh, even though we were happy that he was getting treatment, we were all very scared because we've heard a lot of what happens when people get on ventilators. And so we did what we know to do. We prayed and we reached out to all our friends, family. We reached out to the church. We put out prayer notices and all of us just began to pray and trust in God. And I'm telling you, prayer is different when it affects you personally. As a pastor, I always get prayer requests from a lot of people and and I try as much as I can to empathize and sympathize, but when it directly affects my family, there's a difference in that prayer. And so I remember I just began to weep and cry out to the Lord and pray with my family and uh, and I'm here to let you know that he wasn't on that ventilator long. A few days later, he was able to come off. He was able to get out of the ICU. He was able to begin recovery, and he is now home. He is officially, as of today, COVID-free. Uh, there is some, you know, stuff that he needs to work through, obviously strengthening his lungs, and we want to ask you to continue to pray for him as he recovers at home, but he can finally hug his wife. He can finally hug his child. Imagine, you know, for a three-year-old not being able to touch their parents when he's right there in the room, uh, it's complicated. And not only that, but I remember uh, just a couple weeks ago, I got a phone call from a former student. uh, And by former, I mean, you know, he's in his mid-20s now. And, uh, you know, by his own admission, he hadn't been doing all the things a Christian should be doing and living the way that uh, God calls us to live. Uh, But he still had faith. And uh, that faith really got tested when his mother came back from the doctor with the report that there was a mass in one of her breasts. And the report said high probability of malignancy. And so instantly they were terrified, they they were worried. So he called me up to talk and to pray with them. We spoke for an hour or so and we got to pray. I called his mother and spoke with her and really got to pray with her. And she was scheduled for a biopsy that Friday. And so we prayed and we trusted in God. And I said, God, part of my prayer is I, I hope that it's not malignant, but my greater hope is that it's not even there. 
And so she went to get that test on Friday and she called me up right after and said, Pastor, they, they checked me for 20, 30 minutes, three different doctors, all well-established physicians, and all of them dumbfounded because they weren't able to do the biopsy. They could not find the mass in her breast. And so the doctor said, hey, listen, uh, this is very rare, but it does happen on occasion. And so, you know, we'll schedule you for an appointment six months from now, and, and we'll see if there's anything there. And by the grace of God, she looked him in the eye. She said, doctor, you won't find anything now or six months from now because my Lord eliminated that mass. And so she and I are both crying on the phone. We're just overwhelmed. And, and again, I'm just so inspired. And I know that not every story ends that way. I know that God in his infinite wisdom uh, has things happen the way they happen according to his purposes. But I also know that God hears our heart and he hears our prayer. And there are still people right now who are struggling. Who I, I, you know, I think about, uh, the Novak family, who everybody in that family caught COVID and, uh, you know, couple of them are in the hospital. We need to continue to pray for that family. We get bombarded every day with notifications and emails of members of our church, people in our family who are sick in their body, who are in need of a healing touch from God. And so before I get into God's word, as a matter of fact, I'm gonna ask um, Sister Yvonne, if you would mind coming up real quick. Uh, I really want us to take a moment to pray, not just for the members of our church, but for anyone right now who needs physical healing in their body. You might be watching right now. There may be something in your body. It may not be as grave as cancer or COVID-19, but nonetheless, God is able to touch that. God is able to heal that. You don't have to even be physically here in person for us to intercede on your behalf. And so I'm gonna ask sister, can you begin to call on our God, the healer, the great physician, to do what only he can do? Yes, hallelujah. Glory to God in the highest. I am so thankful, I am so grateful just like Pastor Joey said, you don't have to be present here at this very moment. But God is present everywhere. And God is mindful of every life because he created every life. And therefore, the word of God says that if we call on him on the day of trouble... He will hear our cry and he will answer. And some of us here even standing today in this room are proof of God's amazing grace, his healing, his restoring power. Oh, thank you, Lord. Great are the needs. Many, many are the needs, oh God. That I still at times I get overwhelmed when I read these prayer requests, Lord. And I come to you and I say, Father, I can't bear it anymore. But I'm so thankful that you are able to bear all, all, all our burdens and our knees. Nothing is too hard for you. You don't grow weary. You are mindful. And so because of who you are, we bring these needs to you afresh and anew. We will not stop calling on your name, Lord God. We will continue to be persistent, God. And not in the negative way, but in a positive way, knowing that our God hears us and he's able to bring healing 
to those with this virus, Lord God, that lurks, oh God, and desires to bring destruction. God, for those that battle the other types of illnesses. God, that cancer that seems to, to run rampant at times, Lord, that wants to destroy a life, oh God. Those, oh God, that struggle in controlling their diabetes or their high blood pressure. Whatever the ailment. God, even, even a stubbed toe you're mindful of. Because that is who you are. And so we say thank you for hearing the cry of our hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your, your divine love and grace for everyone, Lord Father. We ask you, Lord, that in these circumstances and in these situations of those that are ill, will you show them that you love them? Will you show them that you're mindful of them? Will you show them that you care for them? They may not believe it, God. They may not comprehend it. And this is an opportunity, God, for your great and amazing love to be shown to them, Lord God. Will you visit them in those hospital rooms? Would you let them know that you're there, sitting by their side, oh God, even though there may not be a relative or a friend, but you're there. You're there. Oh, yes, I know you're there. And so I thank you for your grace, for your compassion, for your mercy, and for your divine love, oh God. Oh, I pray, Lord, that we will remember the cries of our heart to you. And when you answer according to your will, we will praise you and we will worship you. For the glory of your matchless name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, sister. And I was thinking it's been uh, almost a full year since this pandemic has really upended everything. And it's had all types of effects. Uh, but one of the effects that has really caught my attention for a long time now is the mental effect, the toll that it takes on a person. Just being locked up, not being able to visit family, not being able to go out like they normally do to enjoy an evening stroll, to even visit a museum. Uh, after a while, this really does begin to take a toll. Not being able to gather together as a church, not being able to see our loved ones like we normally would, like all these things eventually, even to the most uh, positive and most enlightened Christian begins to take a toll on people. And when, especially when loved ones start to get sick, when people you care about pass away, discouragement can easily set in, doubt can easily set in, depression, anxiety, all these aspects can easily begin to creep into the spirit. And none of those things are anything new. These are all things that have existed since sin has entered into the world. But as I was preparing for this message, the Lord brought me to a familiar verse that is, uh, really ministered to me personally. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, it's a shorter Psalm. It's only 11 verses. And so I'd like to read it and really begin to unpack some of the questions that are asked in this and, and some of the direction that it gives because I really do feel like it gives us some insight into what may cause some of this anxiety, depression, or what may add on to it. In verse one, it says this, as the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. 
I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food while my enemies continually taunt me saying, where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers leading a great procession to the house of God, singing joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from a distant Mount Hermon, the sound of Jordan, from the loud in the Mount of Mizar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves are surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Oh my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. I kept hearing that question, why? as I was reading this. Why is things going the way that they're going? Why did my loved one have to die? Why did this person end up getting sick and not that person? Why did it affect them so much, but not this person so much? Why have I lost my job? Why can't things go back to the way they used to be? Why can't I be in church again? Why, why, why? And why is one of the greatest questions we ask God? Because we know that God knows the frustrating part is that we don't. And sometimes I think we can make situations worse when we make some of the mistakes that the psalmist is showing here. And so there's three things if you wanna take down notes because I would love for you to go back and look over this yourself. But one of the issues is the perceived lack of his presence. When we feel like God's just not there anymore. Listen, the psalmist said these things, so I long for God, right? He, he yearns because God's not there. I thirst for God. When can I go stand before him? Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Have you ever felt like that? Like God's just not there anymore? Like God doesn't care anymore? Like God's packed up and left? God's abandoned you? Somehow you've, you've messed up so much that God doesn't want to be near you. But here's the thing I love about my Lord is that he is not dictated by our feelings. Church, it's important to understand that feelings are not facts. And oftentimes we allow our feelings to get the better of us. And just because you feel like God isn't there anymore doesn't mean that that is true. Oftentimes God is there in the midst of when we don't feel like it. God is often there even when you don't see him. The truth is God is never far away. Listen, Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says this, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. My daughter, she's been used to having us around this past year. And so there's moments when we step out to do something and she's playing with her toys and she'll look up just to check if I'm there. She just wants to make sure. There's moments at night where she might wake up scared and she cries out. And there's even times where we're already there in the room, but because it's dark, she doesn't see us. And so she cries out looking for us, searching for us. But as a good father, I'm there. I see you, I know what's going on. And I know when you're okay. 
And I know when you think you're not okay. And listen, we need to understand that there are plenty of times and there will continue to be plenty of times where you feel like God's not there. But it's important to remember that he is there. And you have to have faith that he's there. And faith is being able to trust what you can't see. We have to put our hope in the fact that God said he's there. And that's enough for me. Even if I don't see the evidence of it, even if I don't understand how, even if I don't feel like he is, I will trust in you and I will put my hope in you. And you see it over and over again in the Psalm. You you have the answer to the very question he's asking, right? Psalm 42, verse five. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And then he answers his own question. I will put my hope in God. I love that determination. I love the, the way it's phrased. I will. Meaning he has doubts. He has struggles. He's unsure. He's wavering. But he has made a decision to trust God. When you feel like God's not there, Make the decision that he is. Decide in your heart, I don't feel it, and I wonder, and I doubt, and that's okay. But I'm gonna act, I'm gonna hope, I'm gonna trust that God is there. I'm gonna decide that my hope is in God, and even if I don't feel it, even if I'm unsure, my hope is in you. When he says, I will, it's despite how he feels. It's despite what he thinks. It's a determining action to say, God, my hope is in you. There are plenty of times during these moments of prayers and even when it's affected my family where I didn't know how it was gonna turn out, but I knew who was involved in all of it. And so I decided, you know what, God, I'm scared, but I will put my hope in you. I am worried, but I'm also willing to put my hope in you. And then you, you kind of get into the next layer and, and he starts to struggle with some of these other aspects, right? The first part was that he was looking at the, the perception that God's not there. The second thing we find in the psalmist is that he was looking at the past. If you read Psalm 42, you remember what I was saying. He, he talks about my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I'm officially at that age where I don't really like a lot of things that the young people listen to. And so I, I'll say things like, oh, I remember when I was your age. Or I remember when I used to like this. And I remember, I never liked being that guy, but I tend to be that guy from time to time. But now it's not about how it was in the 80s or 90s. We're just longer for 2019. I remember when it, we used to worship in church. I remember when the prayer meeting had people in the room praying with us. I remember when we would worship all together as a congregation, lift up our hands. Man, I remember those things. How have I longed for those things? I miss being in service and worshiping. I I miss going to the movies. Oh my gosh, the smell of popcorn. I just miss sitting in a room and watching a movie. I miss being able to go out and see museums. I miss visiting my family. I miss how things were. Now, I believe that there is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm grateful for how quickly we were able to get the vaccine out and in production. I'm grateful that things are starting to unroll. Even the fact that our city's percentage of of people contracting COVID has continued to decrease week by week. So there is hope on the horizon and we're getting closer, but be careful about not being able to move forward simply because you refuse to stop looking back. So often our inability to move forward is not because it's not there, it's because we're not looking. Listen, Philippians 3, verse 13 to 14 says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet, 
But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. He said, listen, I acknowledge the fact that I'm not where I wanna be yet, but I will tell you this, I'm not looking back. I'm not worried about what's behind me. And throughout the Bible, we see examples of people who have stuttered their growth, who have prevented their ability to move forward simply because they kept looking back. You look at the Israelites as they were wandering the desert. God set them free from Egypt in a miraculous way. He opened and parted the Red Sea for them to walk through it. He provided food for them from heaven. He provided a a pillar of fire to guide them and clouds to protect them. I mean, God just kept supernaturally showing up. And yet the Bible tells us that they would long for the meat of Egypt. They would look back and go, man, remember, all we eat is this manna that keeps falling down from heaven. Like they're complaining about a free meal that I, I love bread falling from the sky every day. But they, they longed for what they used to have, forgetting the slavery that came with it. You think about Lot's wife, who out of all the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's family is spared. This this small unit is spared. And they were given one simple instruction. Don't look back. Just move forward and you will be spared one of the most horrendous sights you've ever seen. And for whatever reason, the Bible tells us Lot's wife couldn't help herself. And she looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Even in the, the New Testament, you see Peter who three times denies Christ, who has no reason to be redeemed by him. And yet Jesus ends up making him breakfast and having this powerful conversation and redeeming Peter back into ministry. And as they're beginning to walk along, what does Peter do? He turns around and he looks at John and he goes to Jesus, well, what about him? See, Peter is worried about somebody else's redemption that he can't even appreciate the redemption he's just been given. And Jesus, in all too powerful of a fashion, He says, what about him? Stop worrying about those behind you and you focus on following me. Church, God is gonna do things in the future, but you're not gonna be able to enjoy it if you're constantly looking at the past. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He says, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Listen, I know some of us, we're not runners right now, man. We are at a crawl. We're barely making it to the next day. We're barely getting to that next part, but you're getting there. Whatever you gotta do, decide to keep moving forward. Listen, going back to Psalm 42, five, remember he says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. That was the answer to the first one. And here's the answer to the second one. I will praise him again. The psalmist acknowledges, man, I loved how it was when we could worship and I led the people and it was great. I missed that area, but I know I'm gonna do it again. I know I'm gonna praise God again. And the fact that he's gonna praise God again isn't saying I'm gonna praise God for the same things I praised him before. I'm gonna praise God for the season that he just brought me through today. The praises that we're gonna have in this room when we finally get to open again are gonna be different than the ones that were before this pandemic. There's gonna be a greater testimony. There's gonna be a greater power because we've witnessed the struggle and we can worship and praise them freely. There's a deeper appreciation of being able to be with each other. There's a deeper appreciation in your prayer life when you've been through something difficult. Yeah, Yeah, we're gonna be able to praise them again, but now we got something real to praise them for. 
Sometimes we struggle with looking back. Sometimes we struggle with uh, just feeling like his presence isn't there. And the third thing is this, we struggle because we take too much time listening to people. Right? We feel like his presence isn't there. We feel like we, we struggle with uh, the past. And truth is, we struggle with listening to people. Not everybody, but negative people. People who tell us there's no hope. People who tell us it's not going to work out. People who question us. Listen, the psalmist, what were they saying to him? My enemies taunt me. Their taunts break my bones. And what do they keep saying? Where is this God of yours? I wonder how many of you have felt that from somebody. I wonder how many of you have felt that yourself after you prayed and prayed and God didn't answer your prayer the way you thought he should answer it. And suddenly you're sitting there wondering, is it worth it anymore? Why am I still there? God, where were you? And that's a real thing. But I love what Jeremiah says in chapter 23, verse 16 through 18. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says to his people. Don't listen to these prophets when they prophesy to you, filling you with futile hopes. They're making up everything they say. They don't speak for the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise my word, don't worry, the Lord says you will have peace. And to those who stubbornly follow their own desires, they say, no harm will come your way. Have any of these people been in the Lord's presence to hear what he is really saying? Has even one of them cared enough to listen? Listen, good or bad, be careful when you listen to somebody if you're not hearing God. Even if it's my voice, Pastor Carlos's voice, anybody else on staff, if it's not the word of the Lord, then it's not God. Because anybody can get up here and say some fancy stuff and anybody can get into your life and speak to things that are gonna make you feel better and yet not be true. And oftentimes people will speak things even with best intentions and it be harmful to you because it's not from God. People can set you up and say, hey, listen, God would never take that love from you. Just trust God. Listen, I'm sorry, but God's plan is greater than our plans. And sometimes God's plan include things that we don't like. And that's our own selfish nature. We, if it were up to us, none of our loved ones would ever pass. No one would ever get sick. And, and, and listen, there's gonna be a time where there will be no tears in our eyes. There's gonna be a time when we are reunited in his glory, where we will get all those expectations that we have. But now is not that time. So when someone tries to prophesy in God's name and it's not God's word, be careful with that. That's why the Bible tells us to test those. That's why it's so important for you to know your scripture to know what God sounds like, to know what God says. <laughs> I love what the psalmist ends it with, going back to verse 25. Why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I put my hope in God. I will praise him again. Who? My savior, my God. You know what it doesn't say? My friends, my parents, my neighbor, my kids, my pastor, my mayor, my president, my alderman, he's not talking about people. He's talking about his God. Amen. That's who I put my faith in. That's who I put my trust in. The reason I'm so discouraged, the reason he's questioning his discouragement and his sadness is because he's made a decision to put his hope in God, to praise God, because it is God who's gonna bring him through this. Yes. 
I'm saying that so that you understand that your hope is not in Belmont Assembly. Your hope is not in the city of Chicago. Your hope is not in the Pfizer vaccine. Your hope is not in the United States of America. Your hope is not in the world. Your hope is in God. We have to trust and put our hope in the Lord and know that the solution to my discouragement and the solution to my sadness is not a distraction. It's not music, it's not a good movie, it's not being able to hug my family again, it's not being able to come into this building and worship again. Because trust me, if you're waiting for all those things, you're gonna find out that people were empty long before 2020 happened. That churches and people and institutions, these are all tools that God uses to serve his purpose, but it is not a replacement for God. No, no, maybe the reason God stripped those things away is so that all you had was him. And so that you and I would understand that we have to put our trust in my savior and my God, not in anything else I possess. Church, this is a hard lesson to understand when it's God himself that's teaching it to you. But it's also a comforting lesson to know that I love my friends, family. I love my church. I love my pastor. I love all the things that God has placed in my life to help me. But it's ultimately my God that'll bring me through not just 2020, but the rest of my life. And trust me when I tell you this, this ain't gonna be the last thing that you're gonna need God help to bring you through. This ain't gonna be the last thing that discourages you or that makes you sad. Life is filled with ups and downs and challenges and struggles that God allows in our lives for his honor and his glory and for him to bring you through. Church, I wanna encourage you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will make your path straight. That's the call of the Lord for us tonight. So church, I want us to get ready to pray. I'm gonna ask Sister Sissy if she would come up. I'd like us to take some time and pray for those who are struggling right now, who are discouraged, who feel like their heart is just too sad to move forward. They don't know how it's gonna turn out. They don't know what they're gonna do. Maybe you've been listening to people who have discouraged you. Maybe you've taken your eyes away from the Lord and you're constantly looking at your past. Maybe you're just struggling because you feel like his presence isn't there anymore. I wanna ask our sister if she would pray for God to intervene in a powerful way right now. Maybe at home you're struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts. Maybe you're struggling with doubt. Maybe your faith is this close to falling off the edge. I wanna trust and pray that God would meet you right where you're at and would minister to your heart in this moment. Sister, if you can help us with that. Oh, yes, Father. Lord, we just come before you in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus. Lord, God, just where David said, I look unto the hills from which cometh my help. The maker of heaven and earth. Lord, you are in charge. You have not been removed. You still sit on the throne, oh God. But Lord, everything we feel, you know. And how do I know that? Because you stepped off the throne. And you stepped down into this sin-sick world so that you would know every feeling, every infirmity. Even you wept 
when Lazarus died, even though you knew you had the power to bring him forth. So Lord, let everyone that is out there know that you, Lord, are acquainted with our griefs. You are acquainted with our afflictions. You understand them. You have felt them. But you said with my stripes, you are healed. Your transgressions were upon me. Lord, let us know that you are not vacant. You are not on vacation, but you are mindful. So Lord, even as you spoke to our sister Diana, you said, fear not. When she felt hopeless and helpless, you met her in the midnight hours. And you said, I'm no respect of persons. And so you do that for everyone, wherever they're sitting, wherever they're at. You extend that hand. You extend that arm. You said, when you drew out your arm, no man could pull it back. You say you will accomplish that that you sent it to do. So Lord, we know that we belong to you. And so Lord, there's nothing your word says can separate us from the love of God. And we are in you, Lord, and you are in us. So Lord, we sit at your feet tonight. We ask God that you will deposit hope because Lord, you said this is better a live dog than a dead lion because as long as you are alive, which you are, we have hope. We have hope. Also, Lord, tonight, go into the homes, go into the hearts, step into the hospitals, bring forth, set free. It's nothing new for you. Nothing new under the sun. Oh, Lord, we know that you have a way and a will and a plan. And you, oh God, will be glorified. So rise up, children of the Most High God. Take your position in Him and know that He is at battle for you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He is at battle for us. We do not war alone. He goes before us, behind us and beside us. Oh, we don't walk alone. We have the master of the wind, the maker of the rain. Oh, he that calms the storm and makes the sun rise again. Oh, I know the master of the wind. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, go forth even now and do what only you can do. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm gonna leave you with one final thought as we get ready to close this out. I wanna encourage you to take note of the things that God is doing in your life. In the Bible, over and over again, we see the Lord reminding the people to write this down. Tell it to your children, tell it to your children's children. There's gonna come a time where I'm gonna sit down with my daughter and tell her about her first year of life <laughs> and all the craziness that happened. But you better believe that in the midst of that conversation, I'm gonna to talk to her about God's goodness. I'm gonna to talk to her about God's favor. I'm gonna talk about how God kept her, how in the year of a global pandemic, she never got sick once. God's hand was over her and her family. 
that God continued to use her family to minister the gospel. I'm gonna tell her about who the Lord is. And I wanna encourage you once again with that final Psalm 42 verse five. Why am I discouraged? See, I, I love these two questions because it's not actually asking God. He's asking himself. <laughs> Why am I discouraged? Why am I even sad? No, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again. My savior, my God. And I pray you would be able to say the same thing. God bless you. We love you. Make sure that you tune in this Sunday as we join together again in service. Be blessed. Amen.